Time to get real. I want to see some crazy whizbiz. What's the matter you need out of Ding Dong? I want to see some of that whizbiz. Welcome back to WizBiz with Alex and Eric. I am not Alex. I am Eric, and Alex is also here. Say hi, Alex. Hi, I am Eric, but also Alex in some kind of Cronenbergian nightmare. It's disgusting. You yes. don't want it. You anyhow, we're this... smushed together like the regents of lumpy space. Yes, yes. Uh, coincidentally, this uh, podcast is about Adventure Time, kind of, and this episode where we, we decided. You know, in between episode one and episode two, we were like, what if we do two Adventure Time episodes per podcast episode? So we're doing that. This is going to cover Adventure Time season one, episodes two and three. Uh, episode two is uh, Lumpy Space and three is, is... Prisoners of Love. Prisoners of Love. Yes. One of the fun things about these early episodes, Alex. Correct. Is I'm Alex. You're Eric. <laughs> is that they uh, kind of like, you know, it's you get your first introduction to all these characters the lumpy space episode is our introduction to well second most obnoxious adventure time character but also one of the first a lemon grab all the whole family of lemons oh yeah yeah, good those guys are yeah yeah, well made i got no argument i wanted to argue can't (laughs) (laughs) but lumpy space princess and uh her whole existence in lumpy space and it turns out that she's also contagious which never, ever, ever comes up ever again for the rest of Adventure Time. Yes. Apparently it works by werewolf rules. Yes. Which I found that explanation amusing. Yeah. So, Eric, on this show, we have we have uh, segments at times. And we're not doing one right now. But uh, okay. one of my segments is I'm a word nerd. I'm a word nerd. And I've got, hey, look at this shiny rock I found, which okay. is going to frequently be words I've run into. Uh-huh. But I want to tell you about werewolf because there's, there's a word related to werewolf that I like. Okay. I so, have some werewolf stories. So werewolf is uh, from Old English ver, meaning uh, man, so mm-hmm. man-wolf. But related to that is a phrase that I found in the last few years that I love, and apparently it's been used a million times that I just never, like, heard it, is weregeld. Oh. Do you know weregeld? You mean man money? Man money. Uh, I mean, I know about Danegeld. Uh, That's I think Danish I've... money. Yes, yes, but I think I've heard of weregeld. Yeah, so weregeld is, uh, it might be weregeld. weregeld. Sorry, I... Let's say Ger- Vergeld. Yeah, German, German's coming in. If it's German, then it's Vergeld. Uh, I don't know if it's German, though. Well, I think I think it might be the other side like of Old English. Old English. Yeah. Anyway, the point is. Oh, it is because where comes from vir, which yeah. is Latin for man. Yeah. Okay. That uh, That is the money given to like a someone killed. Like almost like insurance before insurance. It's oh, American. So literally man right, money. Right, and I just right. For some reason, I find that so... I mean, it's bleak, but it's so charming that it's literally just man money. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, it's, you know, so- that's funny because in uh, some of the Norse sagas, sometimes they, they, I mean, they won't call it Weregild because they weren't speaking Old English, but uh, it happens a lot where you murder somebody and you're like, oh, sorry, here's, you know, yeah. a, a thousand bucks. I mean, Viking bucks. There's a thousand Viking bucks. Sorry, I killed your cousin or whatever. But you would basically buy your way out of uh, crimes. Yes. Much yeah. like the modern world with rich white people, except we don't, you know, we, it's not 
directly stated as such. Right. We don't. Uh, we we sort of uh, pretend that that's not how it works. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. you have to go and ha- you know go go to court and defend yourself, and you might wink. get a fine. Yeah. Which exactly. Poor people, if they can't pay the fine, they get to go to jail. Yeah. So <laughs> werewolf rules. Yeah. Uh, werewolf rules. Anytime I hear where, I get distracted by that. Um. So like, uh, and it's funny because in a much later episode, I don't remember which season it's in. There's the hug wolf. Which yes. also operates by werewolf rules, only with hugs instead of bites. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a lot of shape changing. Yeah. The magical, the kingdom of ooh. Yeah, and there's a thing like so, Lumpy Space Princess. Uh, I think that there's definitely an aspect of her that is an homage to um, you know the Valley Girl archetype. Yeah. And and you see that a lot in Lumpy Space. <laughs> I love the <laughs> the portal. To lumpy space is yeah, like it's a frog on a mushroom. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, which is great. But um, you know the I guess it's just a toad on a toadstool. Uh, That's probably what the joke is, and I just got it now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I thought the joke was that it was just ridiculous and tiny and weird. Oh yeah, but it's but, you know, with yeah. with this show. There's usually like a secondary, true, you know, true, uh, true. level happening. Also, you know, uh, licking a toad, eating mushrooms, and then going into some kind of hyperspace next reality. There's that level happening. Oh uh, yeah, I guess we've yeah. all visited lumpy space in that case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but uh, there are a couple things in this episode that are. Uh, that I like. First of all, is the reference to the Valley Girl thing, and also the fact that like Lumpy Space has cars and yeah, it's funny. It's it's kind of you know it's it's like 1950s technology. They didn't have you know the Mushroom War that destroyed everything and left everything a post-apocalyptic wasteland. But then also you deal with Finn has to deal with anti-lump bigotry a little bit. Yes. Which I think is kind of an interesting thing you see. You know, like, so Jake gets bitten by Lumpy Space Princess, and they have to get him to this magic orb in Lumpy Space uh, to cure him before the sun goes down. And there's a point where Jake is like, Finn, if we don't save me in time. And Jake's like, you you want me to kill you? And Jake's like, no, what the hell are you even fucking talking about? I'm not, I don't I don't want you to kill me. Like, just make yeah, sure I'm I, happy. I, I, yeah, I want you to learn to accept my lumpy space. <laughs> yeah, <sound>. like, jeez. <laughs> really yeah. I do love the thing that made me laugh about this episode. And I'm not a lumpy space princess fan. I've been on the record about this many times. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, I may have said it once on my old podcast. The point <laughs> is, this was one of the more charming ones, only because I really laughed at a smooth posers. Yeah. <laughs> and lumpy spaces, people that <laughs> pretend to be smooth. There's something very pleasing about yeah. that idea. And they basically, they sit on the cure. So the cure is this glowing orb that when you sit on it, it makes you smooth instead of lumpy. I wonder if it's the orb from all the memes. You know, that wizard with the orb that all the memes Mm, are around? This is like the first instance of it. That's something to ponder. This is like Saul (laughs) in Breaking Bad, and that's better. (laughs) (laughs) So Lumpy Space Princess goes on to be a really pivotal recurring character throughout the series. I'm not a big fan of her either, um, but... Lumpy Space Princess being annoying does not ruin the show, thankfully. Oh, no, she's not nearly that annoying. But the a lot of people find that level of irritation funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the kind of humor. Into, I mean, this show is, we should say, it's for kids. And I think kids like annoying stuff. Is it for kids? Well, it's ostensibly for kids, I guess yeah. we should say. It pretends to be for kids. Yeah. And kids can kids can watch it without being uh, traumatized. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of I'm so annoying thing goes over real well with children. How did you first hear about Adventure Time? People kept referencing it because Pendleton Ward 
was people were just talking about how psychedelic he was. And I think he had shown up on Joe Rogan, maybe. Now, keep in mind, that means a lot. That means something very different than it did 10 years ago. Joe Rogan back then was a harmless stoner guy that Mm -hmm. just had psychedelic weirdos on the show. Oh, yeah. That was before he turned into some sort of like alt-right pseudoscience douchebag. Probably was, but the show was it, it was cool. Like it was it it talked to a lot of people about stuff that I've been into for a while. So people that like that show um would report back to me. And I don't know if it came directly through Duncan Trussell ended up um being on the show. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if it came through, but anyway, I'd been hearing about it and hearing about it. I'm like, I don't want to watch some fucking cartoon. And uh a few seasons in, somebody maybe watched some episode that dealt with the I don't know if it was about the because in the mythology of Adventure Time there is a a comet, uh, this cataclysm comet that comes and just resets the world mm-hmm, periodically. Mm-hmm. And the Great Mushroom War was one of those. And I don't remember if it was that episode, but it was something that was related to like kind of the Yuga cycle, you know, the 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 Hindu idea of the world kind of going in cycles and repeating itself. And that was what I was really into back then. So I was like, fine, I'll watch the fucking show. And then it just I was in such a depressed I was in a really bad depression at the moment and. It hit on such like this, like oh, this is exactly what I needed. Like, thank you, universe. Like, you are you. I I get it. Thank you. This is delightful. And uh, yeah, I really just binged the shit of it. And I caught up. How many seasons do you think there are? Uh, I think there are six altogether, including maybe there are more. Are there eight? Yeah, I caught up in probably like season four ish. Well, I remember we talked about it right around the time that the. That the last season was happening. Yeah. Or maybe earlier that. But anyway, it was it was because of the psychedelic, weird, uh, religious overtone stuff of the show and people going, Ooh, that sounds like stuff Alex likes and mm-hmm. and recommending to me. What what is your origin story? Uh my origin story is uh, I was at the Safari Club and Is that um, like some kind of swinger kind of thing? No, it's a strip club. It was a strip club. Oh it's oh. gone now. Oh, that's funny. Um it, it, it's uh it it was it's uh it used to be right next to Hopworks. Yeah, yeah, it was on Powell. Now yeah. that now that you say that I remember it. Yeah. yeah, so it's right around the corner from my house. I went there a lot and uh sometimes I was sort of doing the Richard Feynman, you know, I'd go there to write, I'd like sit in the corner and write. And other times I went there for the same reason that people usually go to strip clubs. Yeah, more like Richard Feynman woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a stripper told me about it. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I think her stage name was Salem. I, I don't remember. There were a lot of them. But, um, yeah, we were just hanging out at the bar, probably drinking gin and tonics. And I was talking about cartoons. And she was like, have you heard of Adventure Time? And I was like, what? That's awesome. And so, you know, I wrote the name down in my little black book. And I went home and I looked up Adventure Time and I was hooked. Yeah. What uh, One of the things that is weird about this show, and is going to be weird about this show, and it happens on my other show, John and I would say it's not available wherever you find podcasts, is I just told a story about, or at least referenced uh, how I got into Adventure Time. There, it's not unlikely mm-hmm. that there's an episode of the Alex cast when I first got into the show that describes it more accurately and likely in complete contradiction to what I just said. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. Well, no, I don't remember. I have no, <laughs> I have no concept of it. But I mean, that's the thing with memory is, you know, the more you access it, the less, it, the less, you know, accurate it is. It's mm-hmm. the way human memory works. And I, you know, it's not like it's something that I like filed away as I found. But it's interesting that in answering these things in the back of my head, I'm like there's, there's very likely audio evidence out there that, you know, <laughs> maybe a few people that out there remember isn't how it went. <laughs> yeah. But my memory of it right now is I just, I feel like not a, not as a kind of, uh, excuse but i feel like putting that out there because 
frequently people will call me, uh, not frequently, but, you know, more than five times people have called, you know, brought me to task about something I said years ago on that show. Like, one, don't remember. Two, very different person than I was back there. Three, I don't know about three. Just leave me alone. It was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, so, you know, following up on your werewolf segment, I have a word that I would like to talk about a little bit. It's okay. not very shiny anymore, I'm afraid. Um, but the word petrichor. Petrichor. That was on my list. Well, okay, then I'll, we'll save this for another episode. But no, I, no. I mean, it's on my list. I'm never going to talk about it. So let's bring okay, it up. Okay. So here's here's the You're thing. a Whovian. That's why I didn't want to bring it up because it's oh. in an episode of Doctor Who. Well, it's in a lot of stuff now. I no, mean, but I mean, it was it was called it was very very attention given, oh. including the definition in an episode of Doctor Who. I feel like every time it happens on TV, they always give the definition. Mm-hmm. I was watching an an episode of like some crime detective show, and one of them brought up Petrichor, and of course they defined it and talked about what it is. Interestingly, oh sorry, what did you have to say about Petrichor? Well, I was just thinking about how it felt like ten years ago. Petrichor was such an unusual, rare word it that happens. describes such a yeah. beautiful thing. And people have been talking about it so much that, like, if you go on Twitter, I, I challenge you, dear listener, go on Twitter right now and do a search for what is your favorite smell. And you'll come across Twitter threads where, like, half the answers to this are Petrichor. Exactly. Everybody knows the word now. Well, it's it's memes. I mean, and memes in the Richard Dawkins way, not mm-hmm. in the online way of, you know, these words becoming popular. I would say, like... Within six months, every single person in the world heard about Schadenfreude when no one, no one ever said that again, like before huh. that. It just showed up one day and it became super popular and part of the culture. So the, here's mm-hmm. the thing about uh, Petrichor. The, the etymology of it is interesting, especially for us, okay. uh, us being like kind of wizardy uh, magic types. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Petra meaning rock. And Iker meaning blood. Iker, no, but Iker is the blood of gods. Oh. Is that it is such a perfect smell coming from the rocks that it's literally like the, the god juice. God juice. Yeah, I mean, and if there's any like real lexiconographers out there or whatever the hell you call yourselves, it, shut up. I know that wasn't exactly right, but it's close enough. Aren't they for, uh, entomologists? Uh, no, yeah, but, but that's the study of bugs. Well, etymologist is, is etymologist. Word, word there's lexicographers. I just can't pronounce that word very well. Lexicographers. Yeah. Do lexicographers and etymologists fight? Do they have wars? That's what I want to know. So if you're out there, I would I would love to take part in the in the uh, great lexicography etymology war. In a, in a hideous twist of irony, they only use sticks and stones in the war. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh God, so, you're gonna get a you're gonna get. Do they have? Is there a podcast award that's not a – there must be. I'm almost certain. You're going to get a podcast award for that one. Uh, the Webbies. Well, the, do the Webbies have a podcast yeah. category? Okay. Okay. That's the only reason I've ever heard about it, so I assume it's – yeah. There's also there, – well, there used to be another one that I can't remember the name of. Anyway, uh, in the episode, though, uh-huh. um, here's a question for you. Uh, and this uh, this is a deep cut for John Alex Hate Stuff fans. I don't know what this this is. But how do you think – the lumpy space people mate. God, that is a really good question. Uh, they are all so annoying that I cannot imagine. Oh, I know. Oh, God. Because her. Well, I'm just thinking about like uh, lumpy space princesses. Parents are like s- smooshed together. They're smooshed together. Exactly. It's gross. So I guess here's. Okay, I have a theory. When one lump and another lump really, really like each other, they do this special kind of hug where they kind of ooze together. That's and what I was going to say. Then, so they, they merge their, um, you know, uh, their lumpy DNA 
and uh, Bud. So it's some okay. sort of merging asexual. It, I guess it's not asexual, but it it does yeah. involve it does involve a really uncomfortable oozing together of two lumps. So I was going somewhere like that, but I thought it was more like cloacal rubbing. But one kind of gets subsumed by the other, and that's how they ended up that way. Well, that sounds pretty gross, too. Like, basically, they're rubbing their cloaca together, and then the one gets kind of sucked into the other, and then the budding, and et cetera. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'd say they both, uh, those are both good theories. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay not knowing the answer to this question, though, because... I think they need a whole spinoff. Just the whole, like, one of the HBO Max, like, one-off ones, you know, like, uh, Adventures of Bemo, and this is Lumpy Space Princess rubs cloaca with Lumpy Space Prince. Did you ever see the series where Isabella Rossellini dresses up as, does the sex lives of insects? No. Oh, my God. It's hot. Talk about entomology. Yeah. Yeah. It's all coming Yeah, back. this is entomology for sure. But she she has this, this whole uh, video series. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something like that, because um, they're, all, they're all sort of, like, short five-minute films, I think. Um, where she'll dress up as, as various, uh, species of insect and act out their, their sex lives. Huh. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm debating whether or not I could jerk off to that. Well, uh, I suppose you've got homework. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've already, I've already, Chloe called joining. I mean, done and dusted. <laughs> John Alex Hayes stuff, I, for some reason, get it in my head every night. I used to do it on the Alex S too, where I'd just get a word and just try to shoehorn it into things. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just started saying cloaca in, like, every episode. I like to pronounce it cloaca. Uh, you could be right. I, you know. I Well, I've, I think it's one of those words that's been adopted by English and the vowels have been kicked in the nards. I think you mean nards. <laughs> do we have anything else to say about the the lumpy space episode? Um, well, I think, you know, if you're watching Adventure Time for the first time, one thing that I that I think is useful in the early episodes is to find things to kind of like pay attention to throughout the series. Mm. And uh, Brad, who is Lumpy Space Princess's like estranged boyfriend. Yes. Like he, uh, I don't know if that ever shows up again, but he is referenced over and over and over again throughout the series. So you do see Brad this one time. Um, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's a, uh, there's an implied kind of like, uh, size dimorphism between lumps. Um, when you see, uh, Lumpy Space Princess's parents, you know, her dad is huge and her mom is little. And then Lumpy Space Princess is big and Brad is little. And I'm wondering if that dimorphism is, uh, critical for, uh, sexual compatibility between lumps. Why are we? Why am I still thinking about this? I don't want to. Because we need some sexiness in the show. This is the opposite of sexy. These things are. You're saying, wait, cartoon space princess lumps uh, pushing their cloaca together isn't sexy? Can we go back to the werewolves? (laughs) All right, I guess. I mean, werewolves have external genitalia, so I can go into detail about that. All right, so when one werewolf uh, loves another werewolf, he takes his lipstick out. But there's the question. Do werewolves have lipsticks or uh, human? Uh... <laughs> hmm. Yeah, like if a human is wearing lipstick and turns into a werewolf, is the lipstick still on them? Oh, boy, you took that in a much more wholesome way, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I was referring to lipstick as dog penis. Is there frequently called Oh, lipstick. God. Yeah. Why would you? 
<laughs> because it's funny. Uh, uh, all right, so let's do a segment. Okay, okay. What segment are we doing next? I was thinking maybe let's open the stupid thing because I don't think it'll ah, go anywhere. This segment is called What Came in the Mail. What Came in the Mail. Yes. So you would you like to go first? Yeah. I'll, I'll describe this first. So uh, what I'm looking at now is a um, regional rate priority mailbox that is probably... 12 by 9 by 4 inches. I don't know what the standard sizes are. And I don't have, but anyhow, uh, it looks like it's traveled a little ways, maybe across the whole country. Where did it, where was it mailed from? Well, we're going to find out right now. Uh, It was mailed from Bedford, Ohio. Bedford, Ohio. Oh. OH is Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah. Bedford, Ohio, isn't that where the world's largest ball of twine is? I only, so here's the thing about that is there's a Weird Al song called The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. And that's the only big ball of twine that I recognize. <laughs> yeah, you know, around I, just, these parts. I was just making that up. So here's what, here's what happened with this box here. Mm-hmm. I have, and I'm not going to go into too detail because it's, it's depressing. And, you know, I don't think we want to do that right you now. You talk about depressing stuff all the time. No, but podcast. it's like actual depression. Oh, okay. It's, I completely lost all spiritual connection. Like uh-huh. just, it just, it's like the, my fucking soul was severed a few years ago. Was it a ninja attack? Did your chi get blocked? I don't know. It just fucking, you know, look, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. okay. I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I've been over the years trying to like, uh, get back into that. I'm feeling better mentally and physically. So I'm like, all right, this, this is, this is my time. So I'm trying to do that thing of, you know, manifesting synchronicity, you know, manifesting the feeling of you're connected to the universe that mm-hmm. people are talking to you or anywhere. And I was following this line of uh, of logic of I had ordered this love attraction oil years ago, or maybe somebody bought it for me. Anyway, I have it in in my room, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that I need to use that again. And using that, I'm like, oh shit, this website. I haven't even thought about this place in forever. So I went on the website. Uh, it offered a free gift if you ordered a certain amount, and I just went, oh, I'm doing it. Like I'm just I'm following this weird trend that. Inexplicably, I felt a little spiritual tonight, followed some weird oil thing, following the math. So I ordered a bunch of stuff. So, Oh, you got some sticks. I got some sticks. Are they smelly sticks? No. I mean, they just kind of smell like wood. I don't know what those are for. I definitely didn't order them, but they came with it. Um, uh, Oh, are you going to be making your own incense? Oh, maybe. Oh, you know what? I may have bought a diffusing oil. And those are diffusion sticks. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. That makes sense. So the first thing out of the box is a banishing powder. Ooh. Uh, which I guess is for banishing. The you bad know, stuff. Yeah. This is handmade on 612.22. Nice. So yeah, they, they made this fresh for me. Um, 612.22 hasn't happened. Oh, no, it did just happen. Yeah. Okay, yes. You'll, yeah. Notice, you'll notice that we're in six. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Talk about etymology. <laughs> uh, I'm doing dad jokes today, and I kind of like it. Next up. Ooh, that looks like it must be some kind of oil. Yeah, I got some more. Here, why, why don't you open... Okay, I... You open some stuff while I'm working on this, because these are very well... Um, oh, by the way, I ordered these from Art of the Root. Um, hey, uh, hey, Alex. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Well, they both are, actually. <laughs> I don't know why you have to be, you know, try to separate everybody. But, uh, well, very well wrapped, uh, Art of the Root. Oh, yeah, this stuff, it, you know... Um, it's not going to break in the mail. That's yeah. for sure. This is very well done. Uh, and this is, and their products are look very professional. Uh, this is banishing oil to go with the banishing oh. uh, dust. Oh, so now I'm remembering my thinking of this. And by the way, quite high, pretty drunk when this happened. <laughs> uh, is I was thinking the whole like when you were talking about like ninja attacks, cutting your chi. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Somebody at one point had told me that that's a thing that you can think about. Is that if you have like negative spirits attaching to you, they're kind of blocking your ability 
to experience the kind of spiritual side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that that was my thinking beyond the banishing. Uh, the banishing. So uh, feel free to announce what I what I got there because I don't okay, actually hold on, hold remember on. what I ordered. This is like this is going to be ASMR heaven for whoever's oh, yeah. on the other side. So you're trying to go to sleep right now. It's time to dream about cloacas. Yeah, and then the mama bird reps her cloaca. Oh God! Bird. I feel so sleepy. Um, ooh. <laughs> well, the one I just opened is a self-love reed diffuser oil with uh, rose, jasmine, and violet dried petals. I mean, honestly, these are super, super... Yeah, they um, look great. They do look great. And I guess this isn't... This might be a... I don't know how diffuser things work, but this is pretty... This isn't an oil. This looks like some sort of liquid. Yeah, you for shove a... the sticks through the top. Okay, and do you have and... to heat it? I don't think so, but it's something I'm going to have to uh, research here. Why don't you open that while I talk about this one? Okay. So this is a candle, and this is quite nice. This is healing, and inside of it has clear quartz and caronite? No, caroite. Oh. How would you say C-H-A-R-O-I-T-E? C-H-A-R-O-I-T-E? C-H-A-R-O-I-T-E. Charoite. Okay. Crystals. Uh, it's an all-natural soy candle with herbs and essential oils. And uh, this is for healing, which uh, makes sense given the story I just told about how I feel uh, separated from anything holy and, and, and good. I think I'm about to open a candle. I have to say whatever this is. I, I used to love candles. Smells fucking good. Yeah, I was a big candle guy for a while, um, and I kind of fell off that. So I would not be surprised if I purchased two candles, especially if it got me over the whatever number of market was to get the free item. Ooh, it is a candle. It kind of has the... Shape of a Yankee candle. Oh, this is um, this is another. This isn't uh, their brand. I don't think this is. Oh, ho, ho. it's got rocks in it too. This is a um. Oh, you're right. Yeah, this heart isn't their chakra, brand. Chakra natural soy candle with herbs, essential oils, and crystals. But it, oh, it's not. Uh, maybe it's on the bottom. Yeah, this is by Pure Natural Botanicals. This one is by A O R. Anyhow, it smells. God, this smells like. Uh, in Ashland, Oregon, where I lived for a long time, there was this super hippie new age store called Soundpiece. This is what that store smelled like. Oh, smell. Uh, I love the smell. I bought, uh, I bought so many of my Kabbalah books there. When oh I was... yeah. This, this a hundred percent smells like a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that is a hippie store. This smells like, um, uh, the Raven's wing, uh, uh over in Oh, Milwaukee. it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that. It's got that odor. Yeah. The delightful so, hippie smell. So what's the name of this shop? So it's uh, Art of the Root. Art of the Root. Yeah, Root as in... Ooh, that um, sounded good. As in... Yeah, I, I kind of forgot there was a mic right there. Sorry, guys. Uh, root as in uh, tree, not as in directionality. Route. Right. Yeah. Oh, Root. Yeah, two, yeah. I probably should have just said two O's, but uh, I didn't... <laughs> I was like... What's Alex talking about so now? So here is... Here, uh, yeah, so that... Oh, those, are, those do look like they're the same. Are they not the same... No, I, I guess maybe they outsource their candle making. I'm going to smell this. Up. Yeah, this is AOR. Uh, that one doesn't smell nearly as good as the one you have. But what's, what's neat, when we say there's crystals in it, when you open it, there's like big, chunky crystals. Like, Ooh, this sticking one smells out. like uh, kind of vanilla and lemon, but very cozy. Lemon! <laughs> um, okay, well, I also Dude, have... My, sorry. Just like the point out, my voice didn't even go that much higher than my normal voice, and that hurt. <laughs> I don't know how that voice actor does that. Um, I also have something that came in the mail today. 
or it wasn't today. It was a couple days ago. So I, uh, I really like to cook with soy curls, but, uh, which are kind of a, a soy protein product. Um, and I used to get them in bulk at New Seasons, but New Seasons is fucking expensive. And like, True. after we recorded last time, I went to New Seasons to just get like a couple staples. And it was, I was just, I had sticker shock from yeah, it's getting bad. like eggs and bread. Yeah. Like I stood and stared at their bread selection for minutes trying to be like, why is every loaf of bread $6? Um, six is actually on the low end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got the cheapest bread I could find that was still, you know, the right format. Anyhow, so, um, so I was like, you know what? Makes sense. If when I have soy curls, I go through them pretty regularly. I should just go buy them from the source. So I went on the Butler Foods website and I bought a big uh, box, like a bunch of packages of soy curls and they threw in some freebies. So, oh, uh, one thing that I was really surprised about, Butler Foods is in Oregon. They're actually in Grand Ronde. Oh, really? Yeah, so the package got here really quickly. Um, anyhow, they sent some freebies, and one of the freebies they sent is, was this Harvest Soy Jerky Number 19 original recipe. If it's original recipe, why is it number 19? Hmm. Well, maybe they had 18 other products, and this is the original recipe of number 18. Or number 19. 19, whatever, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Like Heinz 57, you know, it's not like they tried 57 times to get it right. They had 56 other varieties. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Anyhow, I'm, uh, I... That was the least amusing answer I possibly could have come up yeah, with. Yeah, I know, just, by I, the way. that's why I didn't... I didn't yeah, I no, I just, I, like, there's nothing there. I, <laughs> I was just, like, I literally, I literally just posited the most easy fucking I was like, you, you lobbed the worst thing over to the other. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have tried, I could have at least tried, or if I was going to so humorlessly answer, I could have said, yep. No, no, and just moved on. They could get the thing going. <laughs> so one of the reasons I'm curious about these is like soy curls themselves are so flavorless, right? Like you basically, uh, soy curls are just basically the flavor of their marinade. Yeah. So when you reconstitute them to cook them, you basically just soak them in whatever flavor you want them to have. Um, so I don't know if uh, the soy curls brand, if Butler Foods actually makes good tasting stuff. I know that their non-tasting stuff is amazing, but... Now we are going to try their yeah. soy jerky. All right, I'm th- I'm th- I'm there. I'm I'm there for it. There is a uh, the one I currently like a vegan jerky is called Primal, and it's the way they like it. I think it's just textured vegetable protein, but um, when you bite it, they programmed in uh, <laughs> like fleshy um, chunks. So, like, when you bite it, it, like, kind of tears, like, muscle fiber. Oh, weird. Uh, yeah, and it's really, like, it's it's very convincing. Uh-huh. I mean, these, so these things definitely look like they're based on soy curls. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it tastes like soy beef jerky. It uh, does. It does. Which, I mean, isn't bad, but... It actually does taste a little bit like those primal ones, but the primal mm-hmm. ones because they're so meat-like in their texture, it's a little, little more pleasing. These are fine. Mm-hmm. I like the flavor, but it's not. It's a little too fake. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would say if you're if you're gonna buy fake beef jerky, fake jerky. You could do better, but it's not that bad. No, I'll, I'll it, eat these. It's certainly not bad. Yeah, miles from bad. It's just, it's the, it's almost like the uncanny valley mm-hmm. where 
it's it's so close to convincing that the smallest difference is it's like overly magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, ten years ago, uh, fake beef jerky is like ah, whatever, do your best. Like this is so mm-hmm. close that it's it's almost like you're you're judging it harsher, or at least uh, I am, because mm. I'm a judgment machine. Well, I guess we probably don't want to spend the whole podcast chewing on things. But no, so let's. Um, if you want more of that, it's there. So that's what came in the mail. Yeah, we um we did it. Congratulations on a new segment. That actually probably the amount of dumb shit I order probably will return. Episode uh, three, Prisoners of Love. I love this episode. This episode was great, but I do want to before we bring up the the, the totality of the episode, something I think. People are going to be screaming at us that we bring this up episode. Why, one. why, why? They're going to go, Alex, Eric, how did you miss the most important Adventure Time question? How dare you? And they're going to come to our house with pitchforks and, 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 and torches. How do you feel about the early episodes? And they only last for, I think, this season, maybe next, of Finn doing the dumb math exclamations. And I think I kind of gave away my opinion right there. I Mathematical. love them. I love the math exclamations. Does he have one in this episode? Yes, he says mathematical in this one. Oh, he says that in episode one also. It's when yes. it's his first. He's like mathematical. So Finn, you're you're horrible at math. That's the reason I liked it in episode one because mm-hmm. it, it leads to the joke that he's terrible at math. Yeah, and then he has to answer a, a really difficult question, but it turns out what's two plus two. So here's the funny, thing. funny setup. There's a thing, but it continuing. It's like algebraic. Yeah, because, you know, if he's going to have a catchphrase, maybe he, you know, he's a kid. He doesn't know what his catchphrase is going to be. He's got to grow into it. And they're going to yeah. be awkward, just like your teenage years were awkward. I mean, what was your catchphrase when you were a kid? Uh, I wish I was dead. I was pretty goth back then. Wow, that's dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that didn't uh, stick out to me a whole lot. Uh, oh, it's fine. It's more of a. Uh, it's such a. It's such a runner in the early this episodes. Is a I thought fan it'd be... service that you're no, doing. No, I just. I just. I. It was one of those things I want to bring up because I don't. I don't hate them. It's just I feel like of all the stuff that I. I was worried going back into you know starting our show going back into Adventure Time season mm-hmm. one is that the stuff I love about the show isn't there yet, but a lot of it is. But the stuff yeah. I kind of don't like about it, you know, not actively dislike, but just. Eh, is that kind of mathematical, the more childlike fin mm-hmm. of the early seasons? Um, so, yeah. so there's one thing right at the beginning of this episode that I really love. So we talked about this uh, last time when we were sort of introducing the the conceit of Adventure Time episode uh, discussions. But one thing that happens um, most of the time, kind of throughout the background of this of the show, uh, but other times it's it's more you know in your face, is that there are remnants of the pre-apocalyptic world. Yeah. kind of hanging mm-hmm. out. And uh, this episode opens with Finn and Jake using an old office chair as a sled. Yeah. Skiing, you know, sledding down snow hills and, you know, all this fun. And, you know, when they break it, they don't say anything about the fact that it's an office chair. In fact, maybe they never know. You know, they're immediately like, oh, no, our sled broke. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I kind of loved that because it was an an element like that, that the apocalypse the you know the mushroom war like none of that has been hinted at or explained yet like that is no, so far no. in the future um but this episode introduced a really really pivotal character in fact i guess finn's arch enemy for most of the series well no the person who wishes they were finn's arch enemy and M- best friend well done well done <laughs> uh the ice king yes the ice king who is uh, far and away Unequivocally, which I didn't say that word right. Unequivocally, 
better than I did. Okay. I don't think we're there yet, but uh... <laughs> uh, without any kind of equivocation, uh, my favorite character, uh, the Ice yeah. King. Oh, mine too. So he's great in the early episodes. and I, I mean, let's, there's no reason to spoil it now, but there's a massive shift in his character towards the end of the show. And he becomes really the driving narrative force. Mm-hmm. And it is beautiful like yeah. i mean it's and i'm saying that like unironically it is honestly beautiful like i've cheered up at some of his later episodes his it is, is great and watching the early ones yeah. he's not so annoying that it ruins anything he's just like a fun villain early on and you don't you don't have to because it's hard to square that later one with the early one if it was so different but it's not it still fits within the the kind of story arc the milieu yeah. of the character later yeah, yeah the 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 sort of like dorky danger of early ice king is explained later on like and you know uh you even get that sense in this episode like ice king is deadly like he is a ferociously deadly uh character but he's also so desperate for love and affection and he's completely mad you know like he's crazy as as you can get he's as crazy as soy jerky i mean I think you might want to walk that back a little bit. That's a pretty extreme, extreme <laughs> judgment going on there. Um, but uh, I just love, uh, I, I mean, I love the way he develops. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about him a lot. He yeah, that's will, why I don't want to go too yeah. far in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, I, the, the example of things that kind of come up later in the show, and this is is the kind of adulthood that's around the surface, uh, like mm-hmm. around the corner. So Finn is explaining to uh uh, Ice King, why he's there? He's like, well, big lava man was in the front yard, and he's so so hot. Yeah, and, and Jake's like, like, mm-hmm. he's like, no, 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 not like sexy hot, hot hot. And there's something because I mean, this, this is a child saying it, but there's something like that kind of the adult world still exists, even though this is a very Calvin and Hobbesy, mm-hmm. it you know, fantastical world. Yeah, um, and that's a funny joke. Yeah. Without, without any kind of uh, lead, where it's going to lead. Because one of the things that this show deals with great, uh, very well, is the voice actor who plays Finn is, is a child. Uh-huh. And he grows as the show grows. And they age oh, Finn they up use, as they it goes. He's the same actor the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Ice King's voice was different than I remembered. So I'm wondering if the voice actor for the Ice King changes. I think it's Tom Kenny the whole time. Okay. That's SpongeBob. Oh. Or that guy from Mr. Show with Bob and David. I've never watched Mr. Show. Really? Oh, terrific you know, show. I'm, I'm an... Oh, ooh. Okay, so there are some other character firsts in this episode oh, that, that people should watch out for. Uh, slime Princess, Hot Dog Princess. Uh, oh, Cloth Goth Princess, whatever her name uh, is. Is she Ragdoll Princess? Ragdoll Princess, yeah. Um, And then at the very end of the episode, the Cosmic Owl. Oh, and up. Wildberry Princess. Wildberry Princess, who gets threatened. Who gets a whole episode to her? To oh her yeah, later. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these princesses are kind of like weird background characters and horrifically strange background. Oh, Ghost Princess. Yeah, Ghost Princess is there. Yeah, uh, yeah they're just horrifically strange background characters who somehow I don't understand how they become princesses, but uh, no, it's not very explained. And also, yeah. why Ice King is a king? Because there's no every like princesses run every other realm except for he's a king for some reason. Yeah, why isn't he a? Or yeah. why isn't it? queen bubblegum right <laughs> you know good question yeah uh what one of the jokes it, it's not even really a joke but i do find it so amusing that if the people in the cell hot dog princess could easily just walk between the they can bars. all just get out uh ghost princess is a fucking ghost yeah. and could just you know she's insubstantial <laughs> go through the bars like, uh, the cloth princess, princess is made of cloth yeah. slimes basically wildberry princess and then later 
in the show, you have to realize you can Lumpy, take those berries off. Yeah. And Lumpy Space, which is, they're, all I think it is it's completely, it's, I mean, it's the, it's, it is the kind of, um, D&D reality. Cause that's another thing we need to talk about as the show goes on is that, oh, that these is early D&D episodes, references. it's, it's, it, what it is is a D&D based show. It's, mm-hmm. it's a campaign. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, that's more explicit in some episodes. Like they totally make, Really over D and D references some episodes and other episodes they don't. Yeah. And sometimes those are those are amazing. So when it comes to princesses, I think it's also important to point out that there are different types of princesses, and and this becomes more obvious later on. But like Lumpy Space Princess is from a different dimension, and she doesn't have the same nature of princesshood that the other princesses do. Yeah, because you know there's a million lumps. They they are all in a different dimension. Um, Princess Bubblegum it turns out is one of the elemental princesses and these are these are the princesses who embody sort of like the core yeah i think we elements. touched on the the kind of four right. things it's, uh, of yeah candy ice slime. slime and fire yeah so slime princess is another one wait that's those yeah slime princess is in this episode right yes yeah so she's another one of the elemental princesses and then uh flame princess we will meet, we'll meet later. later yeah um but uh, so that's kind of that's an important thing to uh, pay attention to. And then, yeah. And then I just love that the cosmic owls at the end. Yeah. And you don't really I don't know the, when the, we see cosmic owl next, but much later on in the series, we we learn that cosmic owl shows up in dreams when dreams are important. Yes. Which means that. Ice King's dream at the end was important for some reason. Otherwise, the cosmic owl wouldn't have been there. Yes, correct. I'm not sure why. I would have to go back and watch the dream again. Yeah, I I'm giving a lot of leeway to mythology in the first season because obviously I think he had some of the stuff planned out, but not all of it. Right. So any of that stuff, like ads, whatever. It's cool that they actually had the character there. We don't need to dip. But it. maybe maybe but, the maybe the depth wasn't there. Yeah, yet. by season two or three, maybe we'll start to be a little more. Well, you established this mythology, and now we've like we're in a world where mythology matters, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe... Um, okay, with the Cosmic Arab, let's call them a sociopath. That's pretty yeah. important. It is actually... You know what? That's very important. And we, we learn why that is later on also. Yeah. yeah. I wish we knew more about how how much of the Ice King story was planned from the beginning. Because... I would say none. Yeah. I can't, right. can't imagine... It's hard to say. You know what we should do? If this show gets popular, let's start the seed now of... If this show gets enough listeners and like people start listening, we'll let's see if we can Ward. try to get Pendleton Ward on the show. Uh, or Jesse Moynihan. I yeah. would love to talk to Jesse Moynihan. Well, I think Pendleton Ward would be great because, you know, the, the kind of concept of the show is we're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit that isn't Adventure Time. Uh-huh. We should have Adventure. We should have him on the show. And, and never, never talk to, about Adventure Literally never bring the fucking show up. <laughs> well, we, we, we can introduce him as the, as the creator of Adventure Time. But just never ask any questions. <laughs> um so one of the things with uh, another kind of runner in the show is that Finn is good with the ladies a little bit. Oh, so yeah. Slime Princess, you know, wants wants all up on uh, Finn in this one. But until we learn, until Jake says. Yeah, he pees himself constantly. <laughs> uh, which, by oh, the way, good bro move. Put me down. But I, I love uh, Slime Princess's voice because uh, yeah. it's like this sultry, kind of oh, sexy man. voice. It doesn't but it, match her at yeah. all. 
<laughs> but it's funny because so over the course of the show, uh, well, let's consider this. At least she was attracted to Finn. Mm-hmm. Then Finn dates uh, the fire elemental. Uh-huh. He desperately wants to date the candy elemental. Mm-hmm. Like he's the whole. And then the. Oh, the, and the ice elemental the, is in love with desperately him. Desperately wants him to be his best friend. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting, even though it is kind of main character based, it is mm-hmm. an interesting kind of thing. It's like one of those. Um, Oh, this is going to be the worst analogy ever, but I'm going to say it because it'll embarrass myself. And that's what I'm here for. It's like in True Blood that all the vampires want to uh, fuck Suki because she's part fairy. I'm going to pretend that I know what you're talking <laughs> I about. Just, I, say, literally, oh, yeah. I literally, because there might be somebody out there that likes that. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be people going, away. this guy's a dork. And that's what I'm here for. It's embarrassing <laughs> myself on the altar of podcasts. So, uh, so there's an interesting interaction between Finn and Ice King. So at one of the recurring things is Ice King is magically powerful. He can fly, he can control ice and snow and all this kind of stuff. But physically, he's frail. You know, we learn later that he's like a thousand-year-old man. Like, he is yeah. an ancient, ancient creature. And so Finn can usually, usually like, really easily physically overpower him, which is part of how the princesses escape. And Finn has such an amazingly good heart, which is a, which is a very recurring theme and sort of like the core of his heroism but he actually has this line he's like he's like i don't know how to help you you know you're you're crazy i have no way to help you all we can do is run away from you uh you need to talk to somebody who's way smarter than i am maybe jake and jake's like no (laughs) but um but it's great because that thing that theme recurs and it also shows that that finn doesn't think ice king is evil finn thinks ice king is insane and needs help um, it's just really difficult to help him because he's this all-powerful ice wizard, the ice elemental. Yeah, true. Yeah. And that's that's I really really love that kind of line because um, we'll see that develop uh, in episode five. Actually, that that uh, that core element of Finn's being is really important. What's episode five? The Enchiridion. Oh yeah, oh yes, of course, yeah. And uh, another thing that I <laughs> and that I love when uh, Ice King because you kind of get the impression that this might be well. Ice King, Finn, and Jake have met before, right? Like, he knows them. He's like, Finn, Jake, what the hell are you doing? Or not, no, not on screen, but yeah, they, right. they're, 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 they know, know who they are. Yeah. yeah, but when Ice King freezes them and brings uh, Finn and Jake to the cage where he has all the princess, he, princesses, he drops them in there and he's like, princesses, I brought you a baby and a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so who makes the trail mix? So Ice King has trail mix. Mm-hmm. Finn mentions later on that he's got a bag of trail mix in his backpack. Mm. Uh, the trail mix has yogurt. It has almonds. It looks kind of healthy. It's like actual trail mix. Where does the trail mix come well, from? I would, I would, let's, let's posit a thing that trail mix, although seems healthy, high in sugar. Well, it depends on the trail mix. But I'm I'm going this way only because then it could be created in the candy kingdom. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true because a lot of the candy creatures have grain-based yeah. elements or nuts or things like that. Okay, so yeah. trail mix probably comes from the candy kingdom. Because at some point, uh, Princess Bubblegum can shoot uh, gummy bears out of her hands. Right, jelly beans. So, yeah, jelly beans. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like trail mix being manufactured there. The other thing is there could be just... Uh, a trail mix factory that's uh, set to automatic that just keeps producing trail mix. Oh, like we, the, yeah, like the BMOs. Yeah, like yeah, the Mo's. BMOs and uh, the soda that they get, which I think starts that whole thing, is that the soda machine keeps getting refilled through an automatic process. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. so maybe there's, a, maybe there's a maybe uh, there's a trail mix machine somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I I'm I'm buying it. Yeah. Man, that's old trail mix. <laughs> yeah. Eh, whatever. 
I got, oh, the other thing that gets established here, and it's not really a big deal, but uh, Ice King being musical. Yes. He's got the number one babe drum set, which, dumb joke, but I just like, (laughs) that's that's fun. (laughs) Um, A lot of characters are musical, which I really like. There doesn't seem to be any shame around making music. So people make music frequently, and a lot of them are pretty bad at it. Yeah. And then I love that, uh, you know, Finn has his flute in his backpack and it's, you know, held together with like tape and stuff. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Jake's like, oh, Finn, we broke your flute and we tried to pick the lock to that sad ogre's heart. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I want to see that adventure. Also, we should bring that up, though. Finn's flute is actually like a totemic thing throughout the show. Oh, yeah. It recurs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how he charms. Uh, yeah. Uh, hunt. It's like Hunter Krishna's princess. bow in the Mahabharata. Which yeah. we, I won't prattle a lot about that right now, but I, there's going to be a lot of Mahabharata talk in about season six. Uh-huh. So uh, get you know start reading now. Oh, I've seen an entire Mahabharata miniseries. I know the story. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean you. I was talking to the audience. Oh, the audience. Yeah. yeah. I wish I knew which one I saw because uh, it turns out that uh, Mahabharata miniseries and ongoing Mahabharata series are very, very common yeah. on Indian television. And the one I saw was like, it was either like six or ten episodes long. Was it? Did it look like it was from the eighties? Uh, I don't know. I know that I watched it in two thousand and six. There was a very famous one. I feel like it was like mid to late eighties. I watched it in two thousand and six in Utrecht, which is south of Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I just, I, I had heard that like a lot of people. That's kind of the, uh, the famous one. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna open a beer. Maybe everybody wants to hear that. Oh, yeah, all right, go for they, it. They listen to us open everything else. Sure. I'm just going to open the beer now. You really want to go to sleep? There's a lot of bubbles coming up. Bubbles, 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 mm. bubbles, 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 bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I made Erica snarf, as we called that. <laughs> well, I've got beer everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have a segment for this, but I, I want to talk about an adventure that I'm going to have. Oh, I mean, you know, it's a... It's a podcast, but adventure, adventure time. time. There's the segment. Yeah. All right. So there's a little bit of a backstory. Uh, my family's having, my mom's side of the family is having a family reunion in Minnesota this summer. You should go to the biggest ball of twine. I might. Referenced earlier in this episode. <laughs> and uh, I'd already made my hotel reservations, but I hadn't bought like a plane ticket. And so I was, I went to buy plane tickets and uh, holy shit. They are just, they're too expensive. Yes. I haven't been, I haven't flown anywhere since I think 2013, 2014. I've, you know, I've taken all the long trips I've taken have been on the train or something else. And so uh, I was looking at the price of plane tickets. I was like, I can't, I can't spend this much. So I decided that I'm getting a um, Amtrak rail pass. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm going to spend i don't know three or four weeks traveling across the country on the train that's awesome yeah i'm really excited about it because you work from a computer so it's not even yeah like you could do your job on a train yeah yeah Yeah, i'll be able to do my job uh i also have a book project that i want to work on i think i've mentioned this before but you know the the agrippa series which i'm very very close to finishing i uh i have you know i'll have like 50 60 000 words um of script that i can maybe turn into a book oh yeah so I'm going to work on that. And yeah, and aside from that, you know, I've got friends to visit and I'll probably stay in some hotels, some places. But my my idea right now is uh, I'll go to Minneapolis. I'll go to Chicago. I'm going to go to uh, Massachusetts and visit um, some friends there. 
I think I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., which might be the place that I spend the most money because that's kind of spendy. Yeah. Uh, and then I think on the way back, I think I'm going to go uh, either to Denver or maybe like a little town in the Rockies that the train stops at. Then I'm going to go to Sacramento. I've got some friends there to visit. And then I will come back up through Oregon. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds awesome. I'm yeah. pretty excited about it. I, yeah. You know, I'm pretty old for spending that many nights sleeping in coach on the train. But I'll be unconscious. It's the people around me who are going to be suffering. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds great. I <laughs> yeah. I am uh, very pro train travel. Uh, I would like to do that at some point in my life. However, I work a, an office job that cannot be right. uh, telecommuted. So yeah. I'm, I'm very limited by, you know, by I get three weeks of vacation a year. So if I took it all at once, I suppose I could do a bit of a train journey, but it's still not, not long enough you know, for the full <laughs> meandering thing I would like to do. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean... We'll probably record some episodes while I'm remote on the train. Yeah. Or, you know, in between train legs. That'd be fun. Yeah. So I'll be able to give you guys uh, updates, although they probably won't be published real time. So although, yeah, whatever. They don't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. I'm really excited about it. I, I'm also kind of terrified. Like, I guess I haven't taken any uh, solo trips in a while. The last big one I did was... Uh, a train trip to Chicago that was probably like five or six years ago. It was before I ever podcasted, which yeah. was five years ago. So it must have been like six years ago. And it feels funny to kind of be doing that again because, I don't know, I mean, you know, it's an adventure. Yeah, no, it's uh, – it, and it's, a, you know, it's a strange time of the world. I mean, this is your first oh, yeah. post-pandemic or – I mean, the pandemic's still happening, but – since yeah. the onset of the pandemic, you know, traveling around, that's a whole thing. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about a lot of stuff. It took me like a week to talk myself into this. You know, I, I saw the yeah. I saw the plane uh, ticket prices. Um, the Amtrak uh, rail pass is 500 bucks, which is like over $100 cheaper, $100 cheaper than I could get a, a, you know, one trip to Minneapolis for. So I was kind of like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I started thinking about it and planning and freaking out and i talked to some friends about it and let them talk me into it and everybody i've talked to has been like oh that sounds awesome yeah no it does that's uh, great yeah. and then today it's father's day so i called my dad and i told him like hey would you guys be able to pick me up at the airport and drive me the rest of the way to the um family reunion or not the airport the train station and he's like yeah why and i told him and he's like oh that sounds like a great idea so even you know i even have parental yeah. Uh, support. Well, trains are universally beloved. They're, they're, they it's are. great. It sounds, it sounds romantic. I, 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 I want in. Yeah. yeah. And I think everybody in my life knows how much I love trains. So, uh, that probably influences yeah. their reaction too. So then this is something, um, oddly enough, uh, I've had this sort of like pipe dream in my head for a long time of finishing a book and then using the train to go on a book tour. That'd be cool. Uh, but unlike you, I have never finished writing a book. Sure. I uh, I applied for the Amtrak Writer in Residence program uh -huh. a bunch of years ago. That basically they just let you live on the train for I think it's three months as long as you're working on a book, and you get like a you know a sleeper cabin and uh -huh. I, you know the details are fuzzy at this point. This was probably man, this may have been close to a decade ago at this point. Oh, but man. like uh, yeah, I applied. I, I at some point in my life maybe I should try to do that again. But I love the idea of just sitting on a train and writing. I mean just. Yeah. Once you get used to it, it oh, sounds brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done uh, – on pretty much every long-distance train trip I've been on, I've taken along something that I'm working on, something that I'm writing. 
but you know, everything that I've had published in actual paper form has been articles, you know, probably. Yeah. Probably the biggest was maybe 5,000 words. So well, those, know, are, a chance. those are much easier to write. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here's something that we should talk about. Okay. Eric. I, in my past. Uh-huh. And I hope in my future. Uh-huh. Uh, am a tower reader. Uh-huh. Uh, I started when I was 16-ish. Uh, back in the 80s. Uh, no, no, uh, late nineties. I mean, late, uh, 2008. <laughs> Shit. I forgot I was supposed to lie about being younger on the show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, read a lot. Uh, did, I would say for a while was professional tower reader, got money for it. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. you know, to the point that I almost considered doing it full time, but you know, didn't. Tara, big part Tara. of my life. Yeah. Big part of your life. Big and, part of my uh, life. We yeah. want to introduce some of that onto the show. Yeah. And uh, with that, uh, Eric has brought with him a new tarot deck. Here? It's a new tarot deck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about this a little bit. This uh, it's the tarot of the Greek magical papyri, uh, which was created by uh, Jason Augustus Newcomb. Newcomb, not Newcomb like Duke Newcomb. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, I new- bet if if it says like I'm gonna kill you, bitch, or it's strip new- for me, Newcomb yeah. like. Newcomb, like yeah, he's like an old like, English family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like the kind of fancy schmancy English name. Newcomb. Yeah, yeah. It's a fancy schmancy English name. Uh, so anyhow, uh, Newcomb is uh, is a well known, or like he's been around the ceremonial magic community for a very, very, very long time. He's taught lots of online classes, and so he's been around for a, for a while. And this was something that I funded on, like I think Indiegogo or Kickstarter, one of those two. And it finally came in the mail. I've never given a reading with this deck. Uh, Partially because it has a hundred and something cards. Wait, really? Yeah. So it so has. It's not, it's not a tarot deck. Then. It is tarot with additional stuff. So it's it's pulled out of the Greek magical papyri. Lots yeah. of spells, uh, little amulet illustrations, and things like that. And then um, the major arcana are all based on uh, deities that are mentioned in the Greek magical papyri. Okay. But as apparently as he was designing, he was like, you know what? There's so many cool deities. I'm going to add 20 more. So there's like the normal four suits, you know, ace through 10, four face cards sort of stuff going on. Uh, but in addition to that, there are like 20 extra uh, major arcana that are based on other deities. So he, he kind of has... So in addition to the... So a deck of cards is, is 52 cards. 52. And then they added uh, 22 for the standard tower deck uh-huh. to make 74. Uh-huh. And then these added. Or there's 76, I think. 70. I feel like there's 78 in a normal tarot deck. Yeah, I was just thinking that sounded wrong. Yeah. And then this added. Oh, yeah, just the like math wrong. Yeah, 78. I yeah. feel like. So there's right around 100 cards. I don't know exactly how many cards. I was just are. trying to do the math in my head that if it's 20 more divided by four suits. There's five. Yeah, yeah. So I was. I hadn't. I. I'd, I'd leafed through it a few times. I haven't actually done a reading with this. I've leafed through it a few times, and I hadn't even shuffled it or changed the order at all. And the other day, I was showing it to a friend of mine, and they um, mixed it up a little bit. So it has never really been fully shuffled. And it's. I don't know if. I don't know if I can. I honestly do not think I can shuffle this whole thing. Well, yeah, that's a lot of cards. <laughs> if so you if cards. you can't do it, let me give it a try because that's interesting to me. Well, I'm going to try first. I'm going to shuffle it in a round robin style. Meanwhile, meanwhile, why don't you think of a question? That's the sound of Eric. He's putting the cards together. You, you want to go to sleep? He's breaking the cards in half. I'm over here now. I can't actually hear the shuffling in my monitors, so maybe it's not working. Maybe uh, 
It's on it's on the right side of the microphone. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Eric is uh, shuffling things. Okay, I'm gonna think of I'm gonna think of a question. Is this like birthday rules with you? I don't say the question out loud, or do I tell you? Wait, birthday rules. You know, like, like you wishes? don't say. Yeah, you don't say what your wishes I, I are. I feel like you should tell. If you want to, you should share the question. With okay, the you know, that's what, yeah. Well, I'm gonna come up with a question this because time. we might not. Who knows? I've never tried reading with this deck. Maybe it's impossible. Okay, think I think I've got a yeah. I've got a question in mind. Okay. And you're not going to say it out loud. No, do you want me to say it out loud now? I don't know what, you, what your rules well, are. Well, you can say it. I'm still shuffling. Well, some people have a thing where you say the question either before you start shuffling, after you shuffle. Like, there's there's a... You know, I really like to play it fast and lose Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's just go for whatever pleases the audience. So I'm going to go with, because I'm staring at all this Art of the Root stuff I bought. Uh, uh, so my question is... What should what else should I be trying to get back in touch with my magical side? Ooh, that's a good one. Which feels like uh, very appropriate to the feel, uh, yeah to the magical papyri things. Yeah, for sure. Lots of yeah. You know the thing uh, uh, in in Tara, there's something called a jumper where it, where a card will jump out. That was like, all of them. Whether or not, yeah, Eric just had uh, Eric just had a uh, the opening of Emma Chamberlain's The Happening Jumper, where there was just dozens of people throwing uh, themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cards here. <laughs> I think I only let one jump. Oh, do you want to know what it is, though? Oh, can I guess? Uh, yeah. Is it the... Um, is it a card I've ever heard of? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, no no meaning I've heard of it? You said, is it a card I've ever heard of? No. No, it's not a card you've ever heard of. I said it's a card I've never heard of, so saying no uh, would mean it's yes, a card Yes, it's I've... a card you've never heard of. Okay, good. So I'm going to say it is the... Um, Goat amulet card. It is not. It is the card of a Gothodimon, which means the good spirit. I actually have a... Uh, wait, wait. A goat, a diamond? I just said a goat? <laughs> oh, look at Alex being oh, psychic. <laughs> okay, I think that's the only one I didn't pick up, but you might find... Now, imagine a, like a crazy other universe uh, just, just for the hell of it. Okay. okay. Wherein somehow I actually guessed that... <laughs> What would we even do, like uh, as as broadcasters and as people that I just I I've not read the Greek magical papyri. You know, I suspect that there's a chance that you've. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say that it's likely, but there's a there's a slim chance that you've listened to me when I've talked about Agatha Diamond before. Oh, uh, okay. Because it's, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, you know, unlikely but possible. Yeah, Agatha Diamond doesn't suffer. To be fair, I did actually take a, a swing at the Greek magical papyri years upon years ago, and it just. Yeah, it was just, it's not. It, I wanted to just read it, and that's uh-huh. that's not what that's not what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the Greek magical papyri a lot. They are they are very key in my personal practice. I have no idea if this is an effective shuffling method at all. I'm just sort of mixing, switching, and shuffling little mini well, piles. While you're of shuffling, cards. I'll tell you something about shuffling that maybe the audience doesn't know. Okay. Every time you shuffle a deck of cards, they call that Shriek Fifty Two. So Shriek 52 means like basically to the 52nd whatever. So uh-huh. it's a, a division of 52. Uh, so Shriek 52. So every time you uh, shuffle a deck of cards, it is the first time that deck of cards has ever been that in that order mm-hmm. in the history of the universe. Yeah. That is how randomized 52 cards can become. Well, except the very first time. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's supposed to be, well, for uh, um, poker... Mm-hmm. The thing is that uh, seven shuffles and riffles equals yeah. a truly randomized deck. Yeah. So who knows how randomized this is? It's it's mixed up a little yeah. bit. Uh, 
like I said, I've never tried to read with the deck before, so who knows how it's going to go. So we have the the jumper. So, oh, yeah, and here's the other thing. I don't know which card corresponds to which major arcana, so I'm just going to be reading these based on my knowledge of a uh, weird mixed pantheon of uh, of Ptolemaic Egyptian Greek deities that are used in the cards. Yeah, perfect. So we'll start with the Gotha Diamond, our jumper card. Uh, here, take a look. Okay. Gotha Diamond uh, yeah. has got uh, the head of a lion, the body of a serpent. And there's like a shining sun behind him and some yeah. Greek letters that probably spell out one of his secret names up there. Uh, yes. Can, um, you, can you read them? I don't know if you know Greek. What, no, well, I mean, what what looks to me is X-N-O-Y-B-I-C, which I know those are Knutis, not- probably. Okay. Yeah. Knutis or uh, something of that nature is is one of the secret names of Gotha's Diamond. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, it's got cool little inscriptions, and yeah, there's not much. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. probably more to it, but I mean, just casual, casual looking. That's what it looks like. Oh, Chnoi Chnubis, Chnubis. That's that's uh, Egyptian. Yeah, that's Anubis. Yeah. But it's the wrong guy though. Uh, yeah, I think it's. A jackal I don't. Th- well, it, it starts with a, a ch sound. I think it's. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I could probably look in the book and find out. That's fine. But uh, Agathos Daimon is the good spirit, and he represents sort of um, a hypercosmic creative element that is responsible for uh, the goodness of creation, the goodness of creation. And um, he's really important in the the lunar uh, rotation of deities and... Uh, amongst my favorite deities. So it's a good jumper. It's a good sign, right? So I would say that the first thing that this would talk about, like since we're talking about you getting back in touch with your spiritual side and that sort of thing, this might have to do with observing the goodness and beauty of the world around you. Might be very important. So I don't know. Do some frisbee golf? Yeah. I'm sorry, disc golf. It's fine. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're an outsider. You're allowed to see frisbee golf. I don't want the frisbee corporation to sue us. What, that's literally the reason it's called disc golf. Is that the frisbee is a registered trademark? So the guy, st- steady Ed Hedrick, the guy that started it all, uh, called the frisbee golf until he realized he'd get sued, and thus uh, disc golf was formed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our jumper card. Okay. We're going to use that as a bonus. So right. this is going to be the card that embodies the situation that you're dealing with. Oh yeah. Wait, so you're going to do a three card poll. What is yeah. your three card poll? What are uh, what, are what your I three do stations? is I do. The first, the first station, which will be in the middle, will be the situation. Okay. The second card will be things about the situation to avoid. Okay. And the last card will be things about the situation that you should be pursuing. Great. Okay. Some people do past, present, future. There's all these yeah, different past, variants. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, no, no, I like, I like this one better because uh, it's a little more. Okay. Great. Ready? Yes. The situation, situation card. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's something interesting. In some of the, some of the cards, so I'll show you this one. Do not know what it. Okay, it's a vessels. I believe this might be the three of vessels, the equivalent of the three of cups. One problem with these cards is it does take a little bit of getting used to. So each one, each one of the minor arcana, the top is uh, is an amulet from the PGM. Then it has sort of a middle piece that kind of looks like paintings on like a Greek vase. That oh, just one quick thing. Um, PGM is a Greek magical papyri. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we say PGM because we use the Latin. Yeah, you know, it just yeah, that, that, even that, though, that it fucks yeah. me up every time I hear it. Yeah. That I'm like, no, 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 it's just in the wrong order. It's just for the audience at all. The thing that's stupid about it is, uh, you know, the Greek magic papyri doesn't have anything in Latin. It's all Greek and demotic. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. yeah, and then sometimes down below they have uh, quotes. I believe they're Homeric. 
This one's from the Iliad. And the quote says, what's wrong with you that you took this wrath into your heart? So it's the three of cups. Uh, here, here, take a look yep. at this card too. They're, they're all pretty unusual. So what's wrong with you that you took this wrath into your heart? Yeah. And so what we're talking about is you getting over or you moving past a, a time where you seem to have lost your spiritual connection which I think this card is sort of indicating that you must have taken something in or accepted something that helped kind of block it or sever it or diminish it. It's it's tough to know how to talk about this stuff. You know, I know that you you, you know you deal with depression and that can be uh, that can be rough. I, I I I'm not totally certain that I know what that experience is like for you or. I, all I know is that you're very honest about it and it's very refreshing to talk to you about it because you're always so honest. Um, but it could be something uh, related to uh, a thing that you allowed into your heart just because of, you know, mental health struggles or something of that nature. Uh, and this card could be saying like, it could be saying that, um, that you might've like closed yourself off or, Anyhow, it's just the situation card. So we're going to get to yeah. some more. Okay. Now, the what to avoid card. Two of wands. Also the Iliad. Stood holding a scepter with which Hephaestus produced by his labors. Oh, shit. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do understand how significant that would be for me. No. Uh, no. Hephaestus is one of the lead characters in Periphery. The book I was one, oh, of, the, shit. one of the last things I did while I was still a spiritual person. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. So that's interesting because this could be, uh, so this is the what to avoid card and that reference to Hephaestus could be about like clinging on to things in the past that helped might not be the way to go. Maybe you, you need to be looking for something new. Uh, so the third card will hopefully point a direction there. Helios, the uh, Titan a, of the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, the sun around the yeah. So this is one of the major arcana. I'm sure it probably corresponds with the sun card. Yeah. Um, which is sort of about joy and happiness, but I'm going to go a little bit further here because one of the things that's fascinating about this particular card in, in what to pursue is that Helios is very closely associated with Agathodaimon. In fact, most of the hymns to Agathodaimon reference Helios really strongly. Well, basically, so with the halo around the Agathodaimon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so these are basically kind of the same. In a way, they are the same card. Huh. I would say that... Uh, I would say that there is something in here, like, if I were you, uh, I would not worry, I, so uh, I would not worry about this idea of wrath in your heart, right? Like, maybe there was something that you let in. I would say that uh, that that looking towards things in the past that, you know, may have worked momentarily, but didn't have lasting... Um, Lasting positive influence won't be the way to go. Instead, looking towards uh, looking towards a a sense of uh, kind of like embracing and seeking out the goodness of the world. You know, Helios would be really um, indicative of kind of like sources of divine light. You know, so physical light and divine light are sort of like tied closely together. So this might be about like. Uh, getting outside more or finding spiritual practices that you can pursue outside under the sunlight, maybe even a spiritual practice that acknowledges the sun or 
or the light of the sun, um, such as like, you know, the Lieber Resch stuff from Crowley or something like that. So that would be kind of like my, again, this is the first time I've ever read this deck. No, that's, I mean, the fact you pulled a, a Hephaestus card. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, well, I don't know. That's I'm, something. I'm really kind of blown away by the jumper being a Gothodimon and um, then also blowing, uh, pulling Helios yeah. because they, they are so closely tied together. Like most of the hymns or the, the spells that reference a Gothodimon are Helios spells. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, well, yeah, I feel like it worked. I think maybe one of the things you might want to look at is some sort of practice that you can do outside that might be spiritual for you, even if it's, I, I mean, I don't know what that could be. Yeah, no, I like it. Look, look outside for it. Look outside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would leave those out. Okay. Uh, just because I think we should probably take a picture. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we, we need to be better with show notes. Oh, yeah. Now, by we, I mean me, because I'm the one that's going to be doing them. But uh, let's let's document. Okay. Because I'll, I'll okay. take pictures of my, uh, my unwrapped stuff, too. All right. Hold on. I'll try to take a Okay, yeah, we'll take a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think we, I think, I think this was a good episode. Uh, yeah, we talked I about really Adventure enjoyed Time. this. We talked about weird uh, spiritual stuff. We did, and I think that uh, I really liked the "What Came in the Mail" segment. I thought yes. that was a blast. Oh, wait, I'm going to give you one word, just because I, I my hey, look at the shiny. This is rock our third I third word. Yeah. Well, I, no, I didn't give any words other than werewolf you had werewolf. Yeah, but that just came up in conversation. This is no, the, no. You totally introduced that as the segment word. Oh, I didn't mean to. I just meant that, that was funny. But I, I'm just going to give one word that I like okay. right now. Uh, riparian. 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 Do you know what riparian is? I don't think is? I do. Uh, riparian is uh, related to being on the river. Like Riparian interest would be like somebody, you know, fishing on the side oh, of the river. Oh, like okay. Riparian. I like but that But if you, if you like feel the word riparian, uh-huh. it feels like river. It's got a it's got a river vibe to it. Riparian. Riparian. Yeah. So that's it. All right. There, there's, there's your word of the thing. Okay. So now are we doing the closing then? Let's do the closing. Okay. Let's do uh, the closing Vespers. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, lumps, slime molds, animals, creatures, and other unspecified uh, entities that are listening. May I throw in gentle them? Gentle them. Gentle them. Yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, and gentle them is, ladies... is one of the things that's been posited. I'm like, I like uh-huh. that. It, that is... It, I think that includes just about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, gentle them, and unspecified creatures. And cosmic. Uh, and cosmic owl. entities <laughs> and f- and cosmic owls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to this. This has been another uh, shining beacon of joy and light in the podcastosphere. Uh, we are coming to you from deep within the bowels of Prismo's cosmic recording caverns in uh, else space uh, beyond the reach of the Lich um, and are overjoyed to have you listening. Uh, join us next time when we explore episodes three and four of season one of Adventure Time, which uh, introduce one of the most beloved of Adventure Time characters, who really loves apple pie. Exactly. That worm that lives in Jake's viola. Uh, but you can find us on, uh, on Twitter, uh, at, uh, Wizbiz podcast, Wizbiz podcast. And, and Instagram. And Instagram. Wizbiz podcast. Yeah, Wizbiz podcast. Yes. Uh, and 
we're probably available elsewhere if you need us. Uh, we have a Gmail. Maybe we'll give that out at some point. Maybe we're we're on every available podcasting platform, yes. and um, and we are eager to hear your feedback. So please uh, tweet at us or whatever. Yeah, and as this is our uh, second posted episode, which I believe might come out at the same time as the first one, mm-hmm. uh, all those things are exponentially more important to a young podcast. So yes. rate, review, subscribe, retweet, oh, all the oh, things that you hear share about with your friends. Like if be, you've got Adventure Time friends who also yes. like weird stuff please tell them about us yes this would be the time we can push and you know maybe we can get popular enough that i'll join eric on his uh, train trip that probably has already <laughs> happened by the time you hear this all right see ya all right bye goodbye gunter <laughs>